Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of This Fine Show. If you'd like to support it, there's actually a very easy way to do that, and that's to head over to patreon.com slash unfriendme. Do it today! Boys should be boys, and girls should be girls. Why does everything have to be so kooky all the time? Oh, yeah? Well, I think we should be swapping all the genders all the time and even throwing some apes and stuff. Oh, yeah? Well, if you and your SJW virtue signalers insist on ruining everything, then unfriend me. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unfriend Me. That was one of my favorite intros you've ever done. I don't know why. It just made me laugh. Uh, hey, we're back, everybody. It's me, Scott Johnson, Justin R. Young, uh, doing it again, changing the world one podcast at a time, one hour at a time. Justin, hello, and it's good to see you again. Hi, Scott. Uh, a pleasure to be aboard, as as always. Quick housekeeping up top. If you are a patron, A, thank you. This mm. is a interesting show to do, and, yeah. and all the support we can get for it is uh, uh, very, very, very well appreciated. Also, we uh, have now compiled our emails. Thank you to Tamar for, for helping us out with that. Mm. She uh, compiled all of our old emails that have been sitting in that inbox forever. Uh, and now we are ready to do our regular mailbag revisited episodes from all of your favorite topics. In fact... I sent out to our $10 patrons. They and, and they are a small council. They are going to determine what the first mailbag episode in this uh, 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 new era is. So get ready for bonus content coming if you are a patron on patreon.com slash unfriend me. Uh, it should be a great time. Yeah, it should be. And uh, a reminder, that means that if you are a patron, you get this exclusively. We're not putting this out. The day we do it on the feed, you're going to get it no matter no matter if it ever makes public uh, ever, ever, you'll get it first regardless. Some of it may never see the light of day outside of that fact. So, yeah, we encourage you to uh, both support uh, us and love us. <laughs> yeah, effectively, this, these uh, are going to be episodes that we'll have in the hopper just in case. Like, like this week, for example, mm. we had a technical problem on Tuesday. If Scott had to go. I don't know, uh, because he got into dressage and, and had a meet on Thursday. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to do a show this week. So we would have went to our well that we've already done at, at least uh, two, I think, of these mailbag episodes. Right. And we would have run one of those in the feed. So they're a, a backup plan for the normies. But if you're a patron, you get them as soon as we record them. That's right. We record them. We put them in the bank for you. And you have them no matter what. Yes. Uh, so that's a thing to do. Go over there to patreon.com slash unfriendme. Okay. Speaking of feedback, we should talk about last week real quick and sum it up. I don't remember what we talked about. What was it? It was about uh, something. Uniforms. Oh, right. Uniforms. uniforms. Kate wrote, I'm a teacher at a Catholic school in New Orleans. I believe our uniforms play an important role in making it harder to distinguish the haves from the have-nots from what I've seen as a teacher. The most important thing students from poverty-stricken neighborhoods can do is rub elbows with students from other socioeconomic backgrounds. This conclusion comes from uh, my time student teaching in a school in the inner city of Philadelphia, where all the students were of the same socioeconomic status and therefore never got to see that life can be done differently. Uh, interesting point. We got a lot of that from people of who are in the education world. They all seem to be sort of pro uh, uniforms. For, for Not all of them. Some of them. Not, I, I, in, in compiling these emails, I was surprised by the diversity of thought. That, that is certainly a thought, uh, not only from teachers, but you want to know where I saw it more uniformly. British people. Mm. Oh, my God. The British people love their uniforms. Yeah, they're they, into it. They are, are resolutely all about the uniforms. Big shout out to Britain and their fancy clothes. Yeah, we came from you. Well, a lot of us did. Actually, neither of us did, but whatever. Uh, Brit uh, Britain. Brian wrote in, says, I grew up in Long Beach and was a student at the LBUSD, where we switched from non-uniform to uniform uh, attire. That occurred while he was there. 
One thing it did was make it really easy to pick out the clothing every day or pick out clothing every day. Overall, I would say my fellow classmates didn't really care about the uniforms being required, even though high, even though it was in high school or through high school. Sorry, even through high school. Usually there were very low cost clothes available since our uniforms were simply color based and didn't require a specific brand or vendor. I know my parents were glad to have a simple solution for clothing for myself and my three siblings. Plus, we would wear uniforms all day until bed. So we only had to wear one non-uniform on the weekend. Uh, I found out, by the way, a correction from my wife. Uh, I, I misled people last week. I said that my kids all had uniforms and they were like vests with like a very specific sort of attire. That wasn't true. It was the same thing. It was a color coordinated thing. And I just remember yeah. it wrong. So, um, yeah, that is a thing a lot of schools opt to do. It isn't necessarily uniforms in the way you think of uniforms like a Mc, you know mcdonald's uniform or something like that sometimes it's yeah. just blue top gray bottom tie or whatever it is and you're in and you and adhere to that yeah yeah so it's more like a very strict dress code than it is a buy these things from this store and you're all gonna wear the exact same thing yep agreed Leah from the uk I got I, I picked this one. I, I didn't want to misrepresent the UK, which by and large was very pro uniform. But Leah was the dissenting voice. The oft touted idea that uniforms reduce bullying by making everyone dress the same failed when my senior school decided to add the school logo to its previously plain polo shirts. For those who couldn't afford to buy a whole new set of shirts, they offered a sew on patch like a girl's guide badge. I couldn't have looked more obvious. <laughs> Yeah, I wondered about badge people if we'd hear from them, because that's. Well, I'll a tell thing. you what. Here, read, read, read Vaughn's, because right. Vaughn also kind of echoes. This Here's shit. what Vaughn says: the cool slash rich kids would always find a way to differentiate themselves from the poor kids. I was made fun of because I didn't wear the hundred dollar dress shoes and instead wore cheap ones from J.C. Penney's. Dude, I'm with you. Also, uh, kids of unusual sizes usually, uh, sorry, unusual sizes usually have a hard time finding uniforms that fit right. Uh, just reinforce the fact that they are unusually sized. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is these yeah. are these are the dirty de these are the dirty devil details that you don't think of when you're like, oh, it's simple. Everyone wears similar clothes. Done. Eh. Yeah, eh. you didn't you didn't have a uniform, right? No, no. Well, yeah. I had one, but it was my own. <laughs> you you didn't you didn't have to get into that you get that lanky ass frame into you know whatever these. Lilliputians call clothing. No, my my six foot four, one hundred and sixteen pound <laughs> visage. For real, I was that for a while. Uh, like a, just a noodle. I, by the way, I think that that's Brian Brushwood's ideal body type. <laughs> you think? Yo, that's, yeah, that's no, hilarious. One hundred twelve pounds. That he's always aiming for that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Dan, Dan, the lawyer man writes a potential benefit. A potential benefit I think is overlooked is the safety element. There's a reason each military has their own uniform. It's easy to identify who should and should not be there and who belongs. While not a fix-all, a more homo uh, homogeneous, listen, lawyer. Homogeneously, right? homogeneously. Homogeneously dressed student body can make it easier to spot an outsider, a would-be kidnapper, somebody with homicidal intent, or a thief. There's a research into this and how uniforms can curtail bullying as a way to, to facilitate safety. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. That's an interesting that perspective. Seems like we need to go to space so we can invent Velcro. Right. Like you can just invent Velcro. <laughs> I mean, sure, but that's that, certainly the long way round. Uh, yes, yes, but no, I, I agree with that. I agree, but I but I also understand that it, one of the let's just call it a side effect. A side effect potentially. Side effect. We could agree. A side. Yeah, effect. if you if you're doing uniforms, a positive side effect might be though we don't have data that you are curtailing unwanted situations because you recognize everyone as being there or not. But also I had a friend who snuck into this school, this private school he liked because there was a girl there and she wanted him to come all the time. And she was, he was not uh, a student there and he dressed in their little code and showed up all the time. So I don't know. So you're saying it's something that would actually provide more cover for people? Possibly, yeah. I'm return. I'm reversing my position. I'm reversing my position and citing an executive order right now, saying that I don't think this email is correct. So there you go. But remember, you can write us emails unfriendmeshow at gmail .com. Short emails, please. Otherwise, they are going to be edited to have you personally be stating the opposite of your original point. I will maliciously edit your emails, and I've done it in the past. Don't make me do it again. 
this segment gets yelled at if we go too long. So please, please, please write us, but try to keep it quick. Okay. Unfriendlyshow at gmail.com. That is all correct. Uh, there's also a link on the website if you use that. Now, here's the deal. I'd like to know about gender swapping today. Well, what's that, Scott? Well, my brief definition is when uh, you make your Ghostbusters and it's all women this time. That's what people yeah. don't like, or at least they say they don't. Some people are into that. I just thought it was a bad movie. Forget about the gender part. It was just not good. So, Justin, tell me more about gender swapping and why is it more complicated than I'm making it? You want to know what, Scott? I think you're you're not really making it all that. But like, I think you, you kind of nailed it. Uh, here's the definition. Gender swapping refers to the act of assuming a different sex or gender role than one's original identity in virtual settings, as well as the fandom practice of altering a popular character's gender identity against its canon through works of fan fiction or fan art. So we are going to look at this in the lens of popular culture only, where we're going to avoid right now, because I think that it is related but not identical, are other elements in movies where maybe the race is changed right or, or mm -hmm. the age has changed this is just going to be about gender flipping a character in either a new version of it or in some kind of subsection sure uh, rule 63 scott are you familiar with the rules of the internet yes if you think of uh raccoon horse porn you'll find it well i think that, that that's rule 42 oh shit okay wrong one then then uh <laughs> no there's there's all these rules like there's all but but you you've identified it there is the like if you can think of it there's porn for it right 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 uh then there's uh oh i forget which but some of the other famous ones right uh, here's rule 63 though for every given male character there's a female version of that character and vice versa mm. now this will likely not be canonical most aren't but the internet has a fascination for producing gender swapping regardless of the context of the original character canon derived examples of the trope tend to outlast their actual canon inspiration which are often single stories or even short throwaway gags. and we're mostly so like, by the way today mostly focused on because you could have swapped some of those words out with uh instead of gender could be race could be a, a whole bunch of other distinguishing factors we are focusing today although we I, we may stray in some of those areas you listen to what i said like five seconds you ago. did you did but I just want this to be clear. We're not going to get into Nick Cage, not Nick Cage, Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> oh We're not going to get into Nick Fury today is what I'm saying. That's all. I'm glad this is a silly episode because <laughs> it is already loose, baby. <laughs> Gender flipping. So this is uh, uh, from tvtropes.org. Sometimes uh, a remake or reimagining of a work may involve gender flips due to societal changes in the sliding scale of gender inequality that, for example, would allow a formerly male number two to be an action girl. Occasionally, the gender flip occurs with a work that's already in development or even in production due, for example, to an actor's sudden availability or a last minute casting idea. The results can be particularly interesting in these cases as the written role may be almost completely unchanged from its original opposite gender version. Now, I found this to be awesome. Mm. This is the sliding scale of gender inequality. And this is, again, from tvtropes.org. If you're a patron, you're going to get all these notes immediately as soon as this episode goes up. But let me, let me read to you the sliding scale of gender inequality. All right. We begin on the all-male side. Okay. This is a there are no women story. So think of a men's prison story, a World War II era military submarine, something like that. Predator, just, Predator 1. Can I throw that one out? Predator 1. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember if there's a... <laughs> I don't think there's so. There's no Predator 1. I know M M Maria Conchito Alonso's in Predator 2, but yes, let's take that for an example until somebody writes in and says, how did you not remember that there's a lady in Predator? Yeah, probably happened. Uh, here's the next step down. Whores, whores, whores. In this kind of fiction, all female characters are either complete sluts who will screw around with anything that moves or helpless and, and deposable sex slaves whose sole purpose exists to be taken advantage of by male characters. I can't think right. of any of those off the top of my head, but I, I think I'm in the wrong section of the video store. No, this would be more, think, think James Bond. Okay, James Bond. Right. That'll work. Think, think like that kind of, 
uh, a male fantasy like you're the all the women fawn and and mm. that kind of action adventure sort of trope. All right? right, got it. Then there's the know your place woman. Women are used uh, are useless and most of the time don't contribute anything. If they're in trouble, they can only wait to be rescued. Also, they're never in control of anything. Males are always patriarchal leaders and their actions can be questioned only by other males. Mm. So this think of damsels in, in damsels in distress, stuff like that. Okay. And may, somebody in the chat says there was this mute lady in Predator. I don't remember her, but now I'm having a vague recollection. I think she fits that category. She's just there to be a mute lady who can't really do anything and has. Yes. Yeah. I, okay. That would be so. Predator is more a know your place woman than it is a there are no women. Right. 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 Then there's men are more equal at this levels of all the sexes are equal, but men just do all the cool things. This is where I believe when you get into conversations about gender, this is where the majority of movies come from to the point that people complain about Bechtel test or something. Mm. If you're unfamiliar with the Bechtel test, it is the idea that uh, a movie hasn't given women enough. Uh, uh, if, unless you have the very simple scene of two women talking, talking to each other in a movie that isn't about a guy, right? They're just two women literally having any conversation other than about a male character. Yeah. By the way, they say men are more equal. They, they point out a ton of anime as their examples, like tons of it in these examples. Yeah. In film, they say things like Star Wars, uh, Spaghetti Westerns, uh, Lord of the Rings, Ender's Game, those kinds of examples. West Wing sure. is one that's in this group. Next Generation of Star Trek. Anyway, they give examples. It's pretty, actually, this is a really cool thing. Continue on. Uh, so here we go. This is the middle. Almost perfect equality. Stories that uh, portray both sexes as equal or at least trying to balance damsel in distresses with action girls. Uh, these are two tropes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, both men and women may be protagonists. It's almost impossible to achieve a perfect balance of both sexes, specifically in stories aimed for a specific audience. And sometimes girls don't get the full respect only because the story is too focused on the boys or vice versa. But this is where many examples of well-represented stories. They prop up Starship Troopers in here as a big example yeah. of that. I can't argue, argue with that. I think that movie sucks, but I love, I love that aspect of it. Harry Potter... They think the wizarding world is pretty equal uh, for the most yep. part. And uh, then they go on to say uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo is another one where another one. even though there's yeah. a lot of evil men, there's a there's an equal amount of that going around. So anyway, there's your example. All right. So here's the other end. Yeah. Here's the women are better than men at this level. Women are always the protagonists and don't need a man to fight for them uh, while they're still while men are still competent. They are supporters at best, accessories at worst, and can only be hoped to be part of the token romance. While cases of never a self-made woman can still happen, mostly bloodlines, royal heritage, or a, uh, a matronial or male power figures, if they exist, will always stay in the background and make sure that one demonstration of authority for good measure happens. They use the Powerpuff Girls as the yeah. one of the great examples of this. And also... Uh, sorry, uh, in video games, the game Portal, which is uh, very pro-women. All the protagonists, all the stuff is all very, yeah, women are better than yeah. men. Yeah. Uh, the next level, if going further into the female side, the can't stand men, can't live without them. Men are jerks. There's nothing good in living with them because they only think about sex and how to get their partner under their thumb. However, living without them is hard too, and there are things that should not be the concern of women or simply require brute strength to get accomplished. Uh, they list Jennifer Lopez's Enough, The First Wives Club, Waiting to Exhale, and strangely, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. So that, that men are a problematic thing that for whatever reason you need in your life. Yeah. That's basically the idea. Right. We go further. I love this. Out of the way, sperm bank. <laughs> this is governments who are run by women wars are fought by women and all important functions of society are in their hands men are useless and there's not a single thing that women can't accomplish without them except for one procreation yeah they don't give any movie examples in here funny enough lots of literature lots of uh, books anime and manga some web comics and some live action tv uh, for example gene roddenberry's tv pilot from planet earth 
is uh, is an example and an episode of uh, Next Generation they point to. But outside of that, no like films. Yeah, I would I would suspect here you're looking at if you're familiar with the comic Why the Last Man, mm. this would probably be a story oh, yeah. uh, that would fit into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if the first 20 minutes of Wonder Woman were the entirety of Wonder Woman, then it would be this kind of story. Yeah, that's good. Good comparison. Uh, and then uh, even further, men, what men? <laughs> Women rule the world. Men are either castrated or extinct. Women live in a straw feminist utopia with superior technology or some kind of natural paradise to emphasize how women are closer to Earth and are either happy lesbians or simply celibate. Genetic engineering takes care of procreation. On occasion, there's nothing sexist about it when the fiction takes place in a realistically women-only setting. Uh, This happens far less than with level one. So this would be an example of uh, Orange is the New Black if you only took it. Although... Actually, no, they say men, what men is a why the last man. So oh. uh, they, they put a little bit in there as well. Yeah. Why the last man's a crossover on that front? Because I think it's it's both here's one guy left and also there are no men here. And it and it kind of plays both sides of that. But anyway, they're, they don't give very many film examples, a Polish thing I've never heard of. Uh, and the 1999 made for TV film, the last the last man on planet Earth, which sounds a lot like why the last man. There we go. Uh, and then the final level that is kind of off the board, the full gender separation, which uh, doesn't really uh, affect you. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up mm. is because, uh, uh, A, I found it fascinating. Uh, TVTropes.com or .org is great. It's amazing. And big shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, they are great at just kind of codifying a lot of the storytelling examples and uh, uh you know, it's one of those things that whenever you're like, oh, well, this is a this it, it, as a criticism of some kind of work. People are like, no, I don't think so. And you're like, nope, read this right, thing. Right. This thing, it, 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 it is like a sealed envelope being kept above the audience. Like it knew exactly what that character was going to be because this is a trope and it exists for a reason. Sure. Now, part of this, the idea that you flip these characters is because now all of a sudden, Let's take Ghostbusters, for example, because it was so controversial. Mm-hmm. Take a very male-centric story and make it a very female-centric story just by casting. Right. And if there is a sliding scale of gender inequality where we understand that these things are different for at least nominal reasons, this is a way that you can put a fresh coat of paint on something that already exists in a thing that people obviously want as all the pictures of uh uh you know uh, lady link and male mario and and everything in between can can tell you but <laughs> gives you a different way that you can uh, enter into this uh into this world right i uh <clears throat> i have a thought i just want to get out of my head real quick about the ghostbusters one cuz that was the most that's a that's a recent controversial one i feel like oceans 8 hasn't been nearly as controversial but there've been plenty of other things happening and sort of uh, what's hot right now on the internet to talk about and be offended by and outraged by that I think it yeah. just sort of is, uh, you know, not getting the attention it might have a couple of years ago. But uh, Ghostbusters, the complaint I would hear from people who really didn't like what they did, and let's forget about the people who just don't like remakes at all. Forget about them. They don't like reboots. I, there's nothing I can do for them, whether it's male, female, doesn't matter. They're just not into reboots. So we're taking them out of the equation for a second. They probably have a point as well, but it's not really appropriate here. Uh, their complaint when I would hear them complain was the problem is you're taking a story and you're taking characters and you're gender swapping them for no reason. The only reason you're doing this is because that controversy and also that um, that gimmick, let's call it a gimmick because I can't think of a better word, Yeah, is what will sell more tickets and that's why you're doing it. You're not doing it for a meaningful reason. Because in their mind, the meaningful reason can't be just ticket sales. It has to be something else. And I kind of see the point, right? Like, if you're going to make Ghostbusters again, why are you actually doing it? Is it just to, could you say, well, it's to introduce a new generation and they just happen to be women? Okay, well, that's one explanation. Um, But why? Like, what's the motivation to make the thing with all women? Is it just to see? (laughs) Like, I I, I don't even know the answer to the question because I don't think they ever answered it. So what do you say to that when somebody throws that at you and says, well, then, you know, if you're going to make something, have a reason to remake it or reboot it. 
And if you do have a good reason, then great, go for it. If the reason is only that, hey, what if it was all women, you guys? Let's see who we can trigger with this. That's not yeah. enough of a reason. So I would say, I mean, the reason why that movie gets made is because the director, Paul Feig, had made a lot of very successful, well-received female-centric comedies with many of the cast. Right, right? He did right. Bridesmaids. He directed The Heat. There was a, a track record, and this was kind of taking it to the next level. The problem is that beyond that being the reason why it actually existed, they didn't do a really good job of answering all those questions that you just brought up because there's no reason for it to exist in a world where the original Ghostbusters never existed. There's no reason to not have those previous films exist. There's no reason to shoehorn in all these famous actors that we know from the original franchise in different roles. It's just kind of weird and confusing. And that was kind of the least of the problems with the script in general, which I think reasonably now we can probably talk about was suboptimal. It sucked. Because, but, it sucked. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. It was a bad movie. Yeah. It was a boring, bad movie. And, and I say that as somebody who loved Bridesmaids, who mm -hmm. loves The Heat, who loves Freaks and Geeks, which Paul Feig really cut his teeth on. Mm -hmm. I love his work. This was a bad version of the things that he previously does. Uh, so it, it's, it, it's brought up a lot of issues that, uh, you know, here, I'll tell you what, this, this is from the New York Times. The problem with gender swapping. A gender swap comedy satisfies the, a couple of the moment entertainment, entertainment industry operatives. It allows Hollywood to reanimate lucrative old properties like Ocean's Eleven, which of course was in, in and of itself a remake, while casting them with diverse casts and woke politics. That resulted in a boom of comedic parts for women, but they come with baggage. These reboots require women to relive men's stories instead of fashioning their own. And they're subtly expected to fix these old films to neutralize their sexism and to infuse them with feminism, to rebuild them into good movies with good politics. They have to do everything that the men did except backwards and with ideals. <laughs> I don't disagree, especially in the Ghostbusters case. Again, you're not really there to do anything new or different. You're just there to say, yo, women this time. What do you think? Like, it's not enough. Now, I haven't seen Ocean's 8, but uh, I know that Ocean's 8 is not a... A, it's not the same. This isn't a, a remake. This is yeah. he's the she's the sister of uh, Danny Ocean. Sure, it has a whole separate life and thing. Now, yes, is it uh, you know are they they're heisting it up just like her brother and whatever. I understand that it's still sort of that, but it's not exactly that. This isn't a complete reboot. Um, also, I'd argue that in the case of Ghostbusters, the character of Ghostbusters is more about the team and less about individuals, and they they got that wrong. Like, there's no reason... If you started a new Ghostbusters movie and you had a couple of dudes and went, you know what? We think the character of Egon was so iconic. We need to do something really great with him. And it turns out, what's-her-name's the best for this role? The one that... I can't think of her name. Um, Kristen Wiig? No, the other one. That played the Kate. Egon like... Uh, the Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. They look at, yeah. You look at Kate McKinnon and go, she's right for this role. There's nobody else we would we would want, including any man working today. I don't think anybody should have a problem with that. That's where I start to go, okay, what's your problem with women? Because who cares? If it's Egon and now you've got her playing Egon and she plays it awesome in 2018 terms, great. But maybe the male Ray is some dude and maybe the, you know, like I don't have a problem with them mixing it up. Well, I, yeah, I think the problem is is that it kind of missed what made the, the motor, the story motor that made Ghostbusters really cool. Uh, and, and this is, I don't want to make this whole thing a review of the Ghostbusters remake, but <laughs> we've done that uh, actually. That exists on the internet. We have done that thing. Uh, yeah. but it's like, look, he did a tremendous disservice to all those women who I think are very, very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, that the original Ghostbusters was essentially four friends or three friends and a guy they hire setting up a small business in the crumbling city of New York. <laughs> I mean, at the point that this, that that movie is set, the idea that New York was a dying city, that New York would be, you know, what what Detroit really is. Sorry, Detroit. <laughs> but like, like that was that was the idea that things were never going to be as good as they were again, and things were kind of coming undone. Right. And that's why the movie ends where it ends with New York in harmony. 
but really it's a tale about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. There's the, there you you feel there's a lot of story things that bring out great character moments, whereas there really wasn't in, in the other one. No. Um, I love that in the first one. I love the idea that Peter Venkman and Ray and Egon were taking like a crazy business risk. Yeah. And it felt like that was the story. The story wasn't. And that they were, and that they were failing. Yeah. Like that, there's a moment when like, you know, that's the last of the petty cash. That's like, no, we failed. We tried to start a business and we failed. And that's where the drama comes in. The, you know, Gozer, the Gozerium and the Keymaster <laughs> and everything. That's in a lot of ways, window dressing. Yeah. It's fun window dressing. It's iconic window dressing. But when you make the movie about Slimer, mm-hmm. there's not really a lot to Slimer. Mm-hmm. He's Slimer. Mm. He just slimes things. <laughs> you can't spend a, a ton of time there uh, or else you get embarrassing things like Lady Slimer like they did in the remake. Oh, I forgot about that. That sucked. Bad. Yeah, that was really bad. So so to move off of Ghostbusters, I, I do think it's a good... It's a good example of when this stuff's being done in a way that does feel like it's pandering toward something, either uh, triggering people who hate it or appeasing those who want to see everything swapped. I mean, I just don't understand the point of why you made that movie other than there was money to be made. And I don't think they made much money. I think it didn't work out that well. I don't know, no, actually. I don't bad. know what their total take was. But uh, but there are certainly other examples of this, right? Like... Um, like if you were to reboot, like let, let's imagine this: they reboot, let's say the X Files in ten years. Not a crazy idea, and we're done with Mulder and Scully as the current actors. No more Duchovny, no more Gillian Anderson. What if uh, Mulder is now female and Scully is the man? Yeah, people would have problems with that, I know, but that's fine. Who cares? Like I don't care when the characters swap genders because the characters what matters to me and what gender they are really doesn't. So my stance, this is me, this is Scott's opinion. Uh, just like I don't care that Nick Cage is, Nick Cage, Nick Fury is black. I don't care that Nick Fury is black when he used to be hey, white. No, number one, don't put it past Nick. Like, like <laughs> He's a very eccentric guy. You never know. You do never know. But I, yeah. I don't care about that because oh, what I care, no. I care, <laughs> I care Doctor, about. Now Nick, I identify as black. I'm Nick Cage. That's pretty good. Your Nick Cage is a man. <laughs> But I don't care about that. I care. I would care if they said, what if Nick Cage had one eyeball? Well, I guess he kind of does because he has a patch. But let's say, what if Nick Cage had five arms and became and like, I went back to Nick Cage. <laughs> no, Nick Fury. Damn it. I, I poked out my eye. <laughs> now I have one eye. I could I'm eat black a, Nick Cage with one eye. I could eat a I could eat a peach for hours, you'd say. <laughs> so anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to do the same character and, and you want to do it right, well, I don't care what gender you are. Whatever's right is right. But if you're just doing it to say, ah, ladies, ah, look what we did, because but I hate that. Scott, there is no denying mm. that sometimes these gender flips do change how we think. Mm. I'm going to bring up something, Scott. All right. I'm going to need a pinky promise from you All right. that we're going to be able to clinically look at this, that it won't go off on, on an, uh, another thing i won't talk about nick cage ever again going to get political okay it's fine new york university yeah had a uh uh, experiment slash the uh, theatrical performance called her opponent the testing was to see how people would react if a theatrically restaged version of one of the 2016 debates between donald trump and hillary clinton would be viewed differently if Trump were a woman and Hillary Clinton was a man. Hmm. So they literally went through and coached two actors to to have mannerisms and actions that were would mirror as close as they possibly could to the uh, uh, to the candidates. Yeah, and they ran these theatrical debates. Okay, this was part of their findings. Many were shocked to find that they couldn't seem to find in Jonathan Gordon, this is the Hillary Clinton stand-in, what they had admired in Hillary Clinton. So being a man lost Hillary Clinton points. If, if, if she were not a woman, people liked her less than they liked Hillary Clinton. Or that Brenda King's clever tactics seemed to shine in moments where they'd remember Donald Trump fail, flailing or lashing out. For those Clinton voters trying to make sense of the loss, 
It was by turns bewildering and instructive, raising as many questions about gender performance and the effects of sexism as it answered. Mm. Effectively, the female Trump was more popular. <laughs> People liked the female Trump more, and uh, no matter where on the spectrum that they voted, they found her more compelling and more clever, whereas the male Hillary Clinton was found to be even more milk toast and and hedgy. So so I have a question about this just from a very fundamental level. I understand that what they're attempting to do there and I think it's interesting. It's an interesting experiment. But my in immediate reaction is how is it even possible to create any objectivity let's let's call it objective reality about it. In other words, you already know not only the results of the previous election, you know who these two individuals are, you know how you feel about them already, and now you're being asked to say, but what if, and then have an objective view on that? I don't know how you do it. I don't know how no, it's no, possible. No, I don't think, I think the idea was measure where they were before, yeah. right? So based on a survey, what did you think about this debate? Who did you vote for? Uh, uh, measure that, have them watch the performance, and then say, what did you think of the performances effectively? Okay. So, okay. so it's not, Hey, we're going to pretend that we we're just going to find 50 people in a coma and say like, Oh, watch these two people. Like who'd you like better? It was understanding that people are walking in with biases and to see whether or not they thought more about them understanding the biases. Right. Okay. That makes more sense. And I guess, I guess you could glean something from that. Um, I'm sure people thought, well, I don't know what people would have thought uh, going into it's that. It's fascinating. Thing. I'll tell you what, if you want to click on, on, on so, uh, those, <clears throat> those clips, like, you watch it and you're like, oh, no, if Lady Trump would have killed Lady Trump would have like won the popular vote. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Brenda King, because she like it seems like she's like a, a brassy gal really giving it to, you know, the stuffed shirt politician. <laughs> do you think uh, do you think she's seen this? Uh, Hillary has seen this like uh, someone sat her, someone came up to her. Huma Abedin came up and said, uh, yo, I know my husband's all in the oh, wiener are news. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I'm I'm sure that she has 50 burner accounts where she's just been flaming the people that ran this. Are you kidding? <laughs> I love the idea though of her seeing it and going like just uh, I could just see her at the end of it going, "Well, shit." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like So again, again, because I'm seeing this in the chat room. This was not to test ob objectively. This was to understand that all the audiences would come in with biases and to see where they charted their biases going from there. Yeah. So this was not they did not find people that had never seen anything before. They, yeah. they wanted to see how their this, how their biases evolved after seeing the performance. It's kind of like them doing – people still do that weird uh, – um, uh, what was the school that did it? The something prison experiment. Uh, I can't remember the name of the school that did it. Famous. Stanford. Stanford. The, the so they did that, which was a big deal. And then now there are schools even today who do versions of it but they tweak it. They've added things. They remove things. It's like saying if, because that thing existed before and it was famous that nobody participating in this thing can, can make it work again. And, and that's, I, I totally get it. What I'm saying is they can gather data. There's data here to gather. I get it. Yeah. That's pretty interesting though. And I'm not surprised to be honest. Yeah. There we go. Heropponent.com. So if you want more about it, but I felt like this was an interesting look because as we're talking about artistic gender swapping, uh, I, I do think that there is an inherent story to be told where a character is now a a, a woman when they were written as a man. Uh, for example, Legion, the, the character of Lenny that is played awesomely by Aubrey Plaza was oh, right. written for a, as a, a, a man. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, in that. She's great. And I think it adds dimension to the character. Uh, to to have that, it's similarly, you know, Starbuck in the in the Battlestar Galactica. Well, you bring up a really good, interesting point. A lot of people in this world never heard of that show before, had no idea that there was a comic called that, and would have no idea what to expect from such a thing. Have probably seen it and gone, "Man, that Aubrey Plaza character is crazy cool. I love her in this. This is amazing." Had they known ahead of time that that's a dude in the comic, yeah, then they're like, "No, I can't believe they rewrote it." So a lot of this is just us coming to it with our weird shit baggage, you know. Like, well, but I think that but that weird shit baggage very oftentimes in a well-told story is the essence of important, fun, engrossing stories. Right. Yeah. It is playing off how the community thinks about something and then telling a story based on top of it. Right. Even if it's very subtle. Right. It's like this. 
There's in the chat room they're talking about Ripley from the Alien movies. Everyone loves Ripley. I agree. Would everyone love Ripley if there was a set of books called the Alien trilogy, and in all those books it was played by a guy named Radley, and they yeah. in the movie they put in this Ripley woman? You'd all be pissed. You'd all hate that, and you'd act like it was a bunch of cucks doing it. And I and and yeah. so I, because I know that that's how we would be reacting had it been that way, that almost bugs me more than the actual examples we have. <laughs> Is that it's a little weird because I shouldn't think that way. It's stuff that hasn't happened. But it is I know literally it. the definition of you making yourself angry. Yeah, it is. It's not like good. You're, you're 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 inventing a fantasy world <laughs> where you're very angry. <laughs> it's an unhealthy thing to do, but I do this yes. uh, sometimes, and I'm doing it with this. I would love to hear what our listeners have to say about the issue of gender swapping. Eight zero one four seven one zero four six two is the line. We got about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. For you to call in, share us your thoughts, tell us what you think. If your problem isn't that they gender swapped in a movie like Ghostbusters, then what was? Uh, what's the alternative? Um, I just like got. It. I is just it, is it a good thing? Right, and I just got word or news that mm -hmm. uh, they're remaking Lord of the Flies with all yeah. female cast. Feel like that one's gonna ruffle some cheese for a lot of people. Do you agree? I mean, but. Yeah. No, I actually don't agree because I, I think that that's a kind of film that's been done a lot. Uh, uh, it, it really is kind of its own genre mm -hmm. of strangers that are uh, abandoned. Obviously, Lord of the Flies is its own story that kind of birthed it. But I feel like it's it's the kind of story we've seen a million times, which lessens the impact of like, oh, no, you're doing this, mm -hmm. right? You're, mm -hmm. you're remaking. You're on hollowed ground now. Yeah. The other side of it is that who I mean, like who has like a Lord of the Flies poster? <laughs> well, this is a good point. For me, it was just required reading in junior high. So it was like I don't have any particular love for it. Or yeah. Anything. I mean, all I know is, you know, a bunch of British kids and it sucks to your asthma. And, you know, uh, <laughs> somebody has the conch like you know, yeah. somebody gets named Piggy. Who's going to kill Piggy? Paint your yeah. face. Yeah, it's all that stuff. I barely remember even what happened, except it was this allegory to what do men do if left know, to their own devices yes they're on right? an island you can't do things and that's a great it's great whatever it's a classic for a reason but i don't know if it's for me i don't i don't read tale of two cities twice a year or something just to be reminded of that that story so so i totally get that but uh that will ruffle some feathers it wouldn't yeah. if the book was full of of girls already if you made a all-male version of little women How'd that go over? So let's talk about the reverse. We're talking a lot about men's roles now with Here's Some Women. How would you feel if somebody said, hey, Little Women's coming out full of men, except now it's called Little Men? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, part of this is also that men, and, and let me ask you this question. This might be a little controversial. Go ahead. Are men more likely to go see female stories then, you know, a, a female version of a male-centric story, then females are want to go see a male-centric version of a female story. And I have a theory on this, but it's like men are more likely to go, oh, I love John Wick, so I'm going to really love Atomic Blonde yeah. with Charlize Theron, mm -hmm. where she's a lady and she's doing John Wick things. Mm -hmm. uh, then let's say your example, like, a, you know, little women, but now it's little men. <laughs> It's a really bad marketing problem, uh, my little men idea. But yeah, like um, I'll get, here, here's here's an answer to that, or maybe this adds to what you just said. My wife loves Marvel movies. Um, she's not that keen on just your average bloodbath action guy movie. Like she could care less about something like Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, even though I think it's one of the most important action films ever made. And I was thinking about what's why. What is it about this MCU business that has taken her to a place that she didn't used to inhabit? And I think it's because, to their credit, and the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, the Marvel movies are writing really smart female characters. And they're not just uh, there to be pretty. They're not there to be saved. They're not there to be gawked at or any of those traditional things. They don't really fit into any of that stuff you mentioned on um, 
on the TV trope site. They are well-written, well-rounded, interesting characters that are the peers and equals. I mean, if, I guess it fits into one of the categories, but the peers are equals of their, of those who they fight beside who might be men. And I yeah. think that's, and they do it in a way that isn't like, eh, meh, look at her. Meh. They don't, it's not so hand wavy. They just make them good. And Kim likes that. She likes the, how they're portrayed. My daughters are like that with it. Um, I still love it for all the reasons I like it, but I can also appreciate it for that. It's not quite the same as jumping from John Wick to Atomic Blonde. Um, my problem with Atomic Blonde is it wasn't very good. It was okay, but eh, it was no John Wick. Well, I, I guess I'm I'm more thinking about the financial element of it. Right? Oh, I see. Yeah. That like you were more willing to do it than I would guess. And, and maybe this is a faulty decision. So uh, uh, holler, holler at me, ladies. Holler. If you would like to see traditionally women's stories with men in it, if even just to see these different kinds of stories told, like, would you, is that something that you want to go to the theater to see? Because I do think that there is, a there is a mistaken kind of idea whenever there is uh you know representation is not necessarily it is often but not necessarily uh the same thing as catering to an audience right like you might not there are kinds of stories that resonate with certain audiences based on real life experiences but it doesn't always have to be oh this is you know another famous story but with a lady right and and so maybe a story explaining in a gender swapped world where the little uh, to be honest i have no idea what happens to little women so i'm just going to totally make up <laughs> what i imagine you know a, a patriarchal society is now flipped and it's a matriarchal society and now these little men have to do whatever happens in little men like maybe that is an exploration of a familiar tale that doesn't necessarily focus on women and maybe women would want to go see it i would suspect that there is more complexity to it than how we look through it in the hollywood prism of like well we want to get ladies to the theater so <laughs> it's lady time the right. movie <laughs> all right i totally agree hey we got a caller uh let's see what's up hi you're on the air who's this hey this is big spike hey. uh first time long time hey thanks man thanks for calling uh, something that yeah so something that's always bugged me i'm a huge sherlock holmes fan and so I watched all the Sherlock Holmes stuff. There was a, there's a TV show called Sherlock that has Lucy Liu in there and then this uh, completely obnoxious British guy. Mm. And if, if they change the uh, Watson to be a female Asian character, why not change uh, Sherlock to be like, you know, maybe a, a, a black American or female? And I just think if they were both female, it would have been a much better show. Oh, interesting. I never, I don't think I saw this. Have you seen it, Justin? I remember it existing. I never saw it, though. It still exists. Uh, 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 elementary, I believe. Oh, is that what it's called? Elementary. Oh, elementary, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Elementary. Okay, because, yeah, Sherlock's the one with bumper snatch flumber butt. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is an interesting question. I mean, I, I guess, like, if they... Well, but no, so, so your, your, your uh, uh, issue, caller, is that the the you know a well-worn uh franchise like sherlock a well-worn story like sherlock didn't take enough risks like why are you going to take one risk with your character uh, and then stop there and just be and then, safe yeah and then watch? exactly and then stop there and the guy who plays uh well, well i don't want to say how how you know bad he is at sherlock but it would uh, a female actress could have played the exact same way and it just would have been so much better it just mm. would have made so much more sense it just doesn't have sense to have another British uh, white male to play Sherlock and then switch up the entire story otherwise. Well, we got a comment in the chat room I wanted to read if I can scroll up to it. I hope I didn't lose it. Um, okay, here it is. Gun Show Grizz says, I just don't care what, fi uh, sorry, I just don't care what gender a fictional character is. I care more about whether or not the show or movie is entertaining or funny. The remake of Ghostbusters was not funny to me, so I didn't like it. Didn't have anything to do with the fact that they were all female, just like uh, or just that the writing was bad, at least in my opinion. I think he's kind of what, saying what you're saying. If that, if we've got a yeah. crummy performance slash just not good for the role male actor in there, that could be the reason. It, could it be, though, yeah. that another male actor... Like, wouldn't you rather have it be so... 
whoever they find that they think is the best, be them male, be them female, be them of another color, be a, a different uh, uh, gender preference, preference uh, uh, transgender Sherlock Holmes, go as far as you want to go. <laughs> if, the, if they're the best at it, they should be the higher, right? Well, yeah, I think Go ahead, Justin. Well, I mean, here's here's what I would say to that is that I think the that kind of decision is should be the writers, right? I think right. that there's a lot of characters that that yes, you should not necessarily write like anyway. Five white guys sit around a bar, right? Yeah. Because characters three, four, five, and six probably don't need to be white guys. They could be anybody. You just want people that gel together uh, uh, for the cohesion of a show. Right. But if you were to tell a transgendered Sherlock Holmes story, I feel like that should be something that you think out, right? Like that, that you that you really put some effort into because that is it just inherently brings a lot to that character. And I think it deserves uh, a further, con you know, a further uh, uh, consideration. Sure. Just to tell a better story. Yeah, I agree. Great call, by the way. Thank you for that. Uh, don't forget number 801-471-0462. We got time for one or two more. If yeah. you guys can do it. Um, so I'm watching this. Uh, uh, I transgender, not transgendered. I'm sorry. I what? know I'm going to get a million files. Wait, what did you say? I missed it. I put the ED on the end of transgender. Oh. I know. Oh. It's, hey, look, man, I talk a lot. Tally's Zarell watches most of it. So please don't. Please don't flay me alive. <laughs> I try really hard because I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that uh, that I, I'd like to do better in regarding in regards to that kind of stuff. But there are still moments like I'll be honest with you, dude, if I'm in a restaurant and I'm sitting there and uh, some big football playing looking dude is sitting in the, the booth ahead of me and I glance up and look at him and I don't think anything of it. I look back down, look at my phone, wait for the waiter. Uh his boyfriend comes in. They share a kiss, sit down, and hold hands and start talking. My first yeah. reaction is, oh. So why do I have this boner? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> that wasn't where I was going. That oh, wasn't okay. where oh, I was sorry. going. I'm sorry. I just I mean. We do this show long enough. We start finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, geez. That thing's ringing. It's not supposed to make that sound, but I'll take it anyway. Uh, here's a call. Let's give it a second for it to answer and we'll find out what's on their mind. Uh, hello, good day, and oh my gosh, stop doing that. Okay, we'll cancel this is that. A great. This is a banner episode. I know Share how to do this. I know how to do this. This just didn't work the way I meant. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is uh, Ben from Denver, Colorado. Hello, Ben from Denver. What's on your mind? Ben. Well, um, admittedly, I haven't listened to any of the rest of the show. I'm just tuning in because I've caught this live for the first time. Mm. And so I don't know if this has already been brought up, but um, my personal view on the whole gender swapping thing on um, like movies and shows and all that stuff yeah. is and has been for a long time that um, I don't feel that it lends anything to like a transgender woman, you know, um, those those people or like women or, or, or minorities or whatever, when you're taking a story and you're not, instead of making a new story, you're just... Just rehashing the old retelling thing? Retelling it, yeah, yeah. I just have never felt that, you know, to the people who don't think that, um, that like these people are, you know, talented and well-working people, I don't think that it'll convince them of anything if you're not creating something new if that makes any sense mm -hmm. no i think that makes sense i mean that's and I, I kind of said this earlier but not exactly as well spoken as you did i went a little long with it but basically if you're not going to do something unique or if you if your goal is just to redo it and just to introduce female characters and i just think you're 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 wrong-headed i i think now there can be somebody right in going no scott this is why this is important and every little step counts and all of that and i'm happy to i mean bring it on um, because I, I'm certainly no expert at this. Uh, which leads me to another thing, by the way. Somebody during the week said, um, let me guess, the latest episode of Unfriend Me is two white American men discussing a thing that they don't know or something like that. And I... Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah, let's Nailed make it. this clear. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. This is what yeah. this is. So you have got... Uh, I mean, I wish I wish Justin was what I'd always wished him to be, which is a 
you know, a lesbian uh, black uh, football player dwarf. with a, a very, very handsome boyfriend that sits and kisses in front of you at a Mexican restaurant. I, I want you to be every minority possible. But I mean, sure. we are who we are and we're doing what we're doing and people should be okay with that. But my point is... I would I would question how much I am white, but also uh, look, I think the the idea that we have here with this show in general is that we are known quantities to our audiences, and we want to show that discussion of these things, beginnings of discussions of these things, can be healthy and productive if not fun. Right, and we hope. All of these are very beginnings of conversations that hopefully have learned folks calling in and correcting us during it. I mean, that's the ideal uh, of this show is that we get corrected not only in calls, but we get corrected in uh, emails because that is the start of any intellectual journey. Mm -hmm. This is not like if there are things to be learned, hopefully they peak more uh, uh, interest. This isn't about decisions this isn't about finality this is about walking down a path to a more enriching life and hopefully a more enriching world so yes. i know that that's a little high-minded but that's what we would hope to do and if you listen and you're like oh these cisgendered whites are just uh, mailing it up and 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 ruining these topics then i would submit that the fact that you think that we are wrong, A, is valid, B, is wanted, and C, shows that hopefully there is, it's working. The burn means it's working and that we want your dialogue to be a part of this show, which is why this is not just Scott and Justin talk about this thing for an hour. It's why we spend time on the emails. It's why right. we spend time on the calls, because we want this to be a a larger yeah a larger. and the more you you disagree the the more i want you to do like the person on the line is doing right now which is calling us i don't know if they disagree with us or not but hi you're on the air who's this hi this is onion Knox from the chat room hello nice to have you here hi first time calling in and uh so i think what you're saying here especially in the last couple of minutes is super important and that you are two you know white cis males talking about this stuff and I think it's great that you guys are starting the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, like, there is an importance in knowing that to a lot of, you know, cis white males who are looking at, you know, this sort of media and they're seeing, oh, I, you know, I want to see this, you know, I'm, I'm upset that there's a Ghostbusters with women in it. <laughs> and they've already kind of got their Ghostbusters. Right. You know, they get to see themselves in a Ghostbusters movie. Where even if it's, you know, a story that's already been told before, you know, and it's a little bit lazy on the studio's part, there is some importance in being able to see yourself in media. Like, as a trans woman, like, I never see myself in media. Like, I'm kind of sad that Sense8 got canceled because it's one of the only shows with a trans woman in it. Right. Uh, she was fantastic, by the way, in that show. I'm going yeah. yeah, to say, awesome. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think you're right about that. I mean, Part of why, well, Justin just said it, but part of the reason we have open phone lines is so that we can hear from people like you can call in and go, oh, wait, by the way, from a uh, from this particular perspective, we are way under underrepresented. And so if something comes along like, let's say, Wonder Woman, you saw this with Wonder Woman, that movie comes out, and what I noticed most about that weekend was all of these 6 to 10-year-old girls, little girls dressing up like this hero, being stoked about the idea that there is a hero in a movie that is relatable to me. Yeah. And that was huge. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing. And there were kids in our neighborhood that were all into it like that. And I loved that. That was an amazing thing. But I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking, man, I hope there's some cool stuff. And I can't believe David Thewlis has a mustache in that suit. And like, I had all these like weird, normal reactions to, is this a good action movie or not? It turns out I really liked Wonder Woman. It was great. But I didn't have that perspective of, oh, man, they made a movie for me. I've had that feeling before. Like when they made Mad Max Fury Road, I felt like they made a movie for me. They went back in time and said, hey, what movie in 2018 or 2015 would you want? And I said that, please. And they made it. Well, Wait, you liked Mad Max? Yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit. I may, have, I may have dropped a hint or two over Put time. Put that in the Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> Get that in there, you guys. 
that I possibly liked Mad Max. But I think this is a really good point. And even up until the minute you said it, I hadn't really thought about it that much during this show, even though I tried to before the show. For somebody out there, uh, Ghostbusters all-female cast is very meaningful to them. And I shouldn't I shouldn't besperch that. I still say it's not greatly written and there's other issues with it. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't see where that necessarily has to be mutually exclusive. I, I, I would uh, I think that there is a tremendous desire and financial opportunity, as we are seeing with Wonder Woman and Black Panther, to tell stories that have not been told before in a world where there are infinite stories from YouTube, uh, a series that people are doing for free to uh, the, the biggest budget blockbusters and all the television shows in between. We are spoiled for story choice. And I think that it is a shame and it is a tremendous opportunity for those who want to tell a story about an underrepresented community and explain the cool, interesting things that make that a unique tale uh, that very often dovetail with representation. Mm -hmm. I think that this is they're, they're, what, what we've seen over the last two years is not only is that something that should happen, it's something that brings a financial reward with it when it's done right. Yeah. And that I think is ultimately the key is that Wonder Woman was a good movie. Black Panther was a good movie. Transparent's a good show. These are, are, are shows that, uh, and, and stories that when told well, resonate and bring financial success with them because these are underserved communities that are very excited to go shell out some cash. Uh, I agree. And let me, let me ask you, so let me ask you, caller, this question. Sure. If, are you worried though, as this, as this starts to increase, right, we start to see more and more of this inclusion. And let's say we, we get, let's say in five years, we get 10 movies that year with, with uh, representations of trans women and they're played by trans women and they're fantastic and they're great. But but all the stories are about them dealing with their trans womanhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all about the struggle and the fight and the this and the that. Would you still take that over what we have now? Or would you prefer that these stories get away from, oh, it's so hard being a trans woman to, uh, we know that's hard, but hey, also, they're just really good at this role. And this role is they're a spy or in this movie, they're a, they're a I don't know, a treasure seeker. In this movie, they're a bank heist uh, uh, FBI agent or, or whatever, like. I have to think that you don't want this to forever be about the struggle, despite the fact that the struggle is real and we should be addressing the struggle. But do you want that yeah. to happen one day where it's just, you know, kind of Nick Fury style? See, I didn't say Cage. Nick Fury style where it's just, oh, there's Nick Fury. I'm not thinking about whether he's black or not. I'm just thinking about whether he's Nick Fury. I changed my name to yeah. Nick Fury. <laughs> well, I think that... Oh, sorry, I'm like... No, go ahead. No, it's fine. Oh, sorry, I was like hearing myself there for a second. Uh, uh, but <laughs> yeah, so I think that it is like, like I would prefer to have unique stories with diverse groups of people, right? But unfortunately, that's sort of not the way the industry seems to work. They seem to choose to move at a glacially slow pace. And if it means that, you know, all I'm getting is the same story over and over again, but at least I'm getting representation. That's preferable to not having representation at all. Yeah, that's a good Yes, point. I would definitely prefer there not be every story. And this is already the case. Like you look at, uh, especially like indie films, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of ones that are just like all about like, oh, dude has a transgender lover or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, I'm so tired of that story. Mm -hmm. But like, I guess that's better than that story not getting told at all. Right. Well, hopefully over time that that changes. Like, again, I think if this was 30 years ago, the Nick Fury thing would be they'd make it more front and center. It'd be about his race. It'd be about racism toward him. It'd be all that. Right. And, and, yeah, and now I'm we're glad it's not. Yeah. Too. And we're finally to a place where maybe it's not. You know, you know that Nick Fury did happen 10 years ago, right? No, I know. I, the, I'm, I forget about the comics, though. Oh, that was 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. No, OK, well, so like then two more decades before that. <laughs> I still so I'll, I'll yeah. stick to my I'll stick to my uh, my three decades. Uh, thanks for the call. It was a great call. Uh, you guys have all been awesome today. Great stuff. Great feedback. And uh, we look forward to your emails on friendmyshow at gmail.com so that we know how you feel. Justin, before we go, we should probably tell them what's next. Hey, hey. this one's going to be interesting. Okay. We're going to talk about the concept of fake nerds. 
Fake nerds. Oh, I thought you were going to say fake news, but no, fake nerds. Fake nerds. Uh, when do you prove your ideological purity to the nerd community that you subscribe to? When are you fake? When are you real? How that enforces uh, or excludes certain kinds of people? Ooh, boy. We're going to get into it All next right. week. I'm very excited about that. In the meantime, check out everything that's going on on the Frog Pants Network at frogpants.com. Justin, anything people should be looking out from you before next week? Uh, yeah, just go ahead on over to my Twitter. Actually, no, no, no. Sign up for my political newsletter. It's uh, free. You can find it at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. That sounds fantastic. Go do that. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a whole new subject and should be on Tuesday. Thanks for helping us test out the new call system. I think it worked fine. It's going to do it for us, for me, for Justin. We'll see you next time. Bye, friends. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>